Thanks, guys. Well, good morning. It is good to see you. I'm so glad to be here with you today. Um, we are in Matthew chapter 6 in your Bibles, if you turn there with me, and uh, we'll read our passage together, and then we're going to be kind of here and there and everywhere. It's going to be a fun, uh, a fun morning. I say that kind of jokingly. Uh, it is going to be a fun morning. But I tell you what, as, as I study and prepare, and especially today's topic, uh, your will be done, uh, it, it has a tendency to, to wreck me a little. And um, in a good way, in, in a way that the word should wreck us and reshape us and reform us. So it, it's one of those kind of mind-blowing things as we, as we look at the scripture today and look at God's will and how do we pray for God's will. Um, it's going to be a, a, a fun journey today. I hope it's fun and encouraging and also convicting and, and challenging for us as well. Uh, we've been going through our series uh, on the Lord's Prayer called Lord Teach Us to Pray. And uh, we've, we've got several weeks into this. And uh, over the last several weeks, we've been asking him to teach us. Lord, teach us. How, how do we pray? And, and asking the question of ourselves and in our lives, uh, what aspects of our prayer life need to change or to be challenged and reshaped and reformed? And, and that's what I'm saying. Today, as we look at God's, God's word and, and as, as we look to pray for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, I, I think it's going to be challenging. And maybe for you, you, you like it's, it's easy. Brandon, I've got this figured out. I, this is how I pray already. And I'm, I'm glad if you, you're there, that is... That's a wonderful place to be. Um, I think that I struggle sometimes in my own mind and my own heart with, with God's ultimate sovereignty and then me praying for you know, what I want. And I, I don't want to mess up you know, my trust in his sovereignty. So there's these things that it has to harmonize in some way. It has to come together and, and harmonize this, this amazing sovereignty of God that his will will take place no matter what. At the same time, he asks us to pray and to, and to petition him for the hearts of people and for things that we, we see and desires that we want. And that he will answer those prayers for us. So, so it, and it doesn't, in answering those prayers, it doesn't change his sovereignty, but it, it's, it's kind of weird how it, how it blends together. So it's going to be exciting to go through that. Uh, we started this series looking at the first part of, uh, of our passage. And, and we started not only just in, uh, in the Lord's Prayer, we started before that when, uh, in verse 5 when it said how not to pray. So we talked about uh, not, not being like the hypocrites, right? When we pray, we shouldn't pray like the hypocrites, the ones who pray to be seen for their, their uh, many words or heard for their many words or that babble on, right, to, to check off a box. That, that's not how we approach God in prayer. And then we, we saw we, when we petition God and when we pray, we should pray like this, our Father in heaven. So we talked about our Father. He's a, he's a compassionate God, a loving God, a God that we can approach as we approach a, an earthly father, but even better because he's a heavenly father, a perfect father. Not only is it uh, he a father, he's our father. We talked about the unity that we have and that we share because we're in Christ. That there's a unity of being grafted into the body of Christ, that we are all in this now together. That doesn't matter what, where we came from, what our background was. When we came to faith in Jesus Christ, we became part of his family, and he is our father. He's not just mine. I have to share. I get to share. So we pray to our father. But then we realize we pray to our father who is in Heaven, it's, it's my dad, my heavenly father, our father, who we've been grafted into his family, is actually the God of the universe. He's the king of kings and lord of lords. He's, he's the great I am. He's the one who spoke the world into, or the universe into existence. That's, that's the father that we have. It's, it's, it's not someone lesser than that. It's the greatest father that we could have. Then we went on, we, we, we said uh, there are some petitions there. We, there are three petitions. Today's the third petition in the first part of this prayer. 
that we cover, but the first petition was this, uh, God, may your name be revered as holy, or hallowed be your name, right? That's what we learned in the King James Version. But the, the petition is, God, we want your name to be revered as holy. And the tag to these three petitions is the final line there in verse 10, on earth as it is in heaven. That means God's name is revered as holy perfectly in heaven as it should be. But it's not here on earth. And we approached God and said, God, we, we want to be the agent of that. We, we, want, we want you to influence our heart and our life so our life reflects the holiness of God and reveres the holiness of God in a way, in a glimpse in a way, on earth as it is in heaven. That you would see that fullness, that people would see that fullness of God here on earth as it is in heaven. Now, we won't ever capture the fullness of God here on earth as it is in heaven, but we want more and more of that glory to be shown to the world around us. So we pray, our Father in heaven, your name be revered as holy on earth as it is in heaven. Then last week we talked about, God, your kingdom come. We, we want your kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. And we talked about what that looks like because God's kingdom is not here on earth as it is in heaven. We talked about the, the power of God's kingdom in us as he saves us, that we become part of his kingdom, right? And that, that's seen in a glimpse on earth as it is in heaven. We, saw, we, we understand the power of his kingdom through the power of his Holy Spirit living through us, that we can live a life obedient to him and, and, and striving to, to shine him to the world. And that's a glimpse of his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And then we had this reality of, yes, I can't wait for the ultimate thing to happen. God's for God's kingdom to finally be established on earth once and for all as it is in heaven. That when Jesus, when the Lord Jesus returns, he will establish his kingdom. He'll come back with a, with a sword out of his mouth riding on a horse. And he'll, he'll take care of all, the, all sin and evil and, and distress and, and pain. And he'll establish a kingdom that will be just like it is in heaven. He'll wipe away every tear and every disease will be gone. There will be no death and suffering anymore. We will be perfectly united with him in his kingdom. And it will be established on earth finally as it is. So we have this excitement, this joy, this hope of the kingdom. It's going to come. Amen. So as we pray, we, we, we expect that. And today we go to the third petition of, of this. It says, your will be done. And that tag is on earth as it is in heaven. We pray, God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we're going to look at that today. We're going to read our text from Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 5. Let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll get right into it. Father, we, we come before you as, as the great I am, but also as our Father, who's grafted us by Jesus Christ into the family of God and into the body of Christ. And Father, we, we want to please you. We want to revere you as, as holy. We want your kingdom to come and to be seen through the power of your spirit as it influences us. Father, today we pray that your Holy Spirit would be active here that you'd be convicting us of sin and convincing us of truth. You'd be challenging us and changing us by the power of your Spirit and conforming us into the image of the Son, Jesus Christ. Open our hearts and minds to be receptive to your word today. May we learn what you have in store for us. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're in Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to go through uh, 5 through 15 together. Whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on street corners to be seen by people. I tell you, truly I tell you, they have, re they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. 
and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, because your Father knows the things you need before you ask. Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever. Amen. For if you forgive others their, for their offenses, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive others, your Father will not forgive your offenses. All right. And I know it kind of seems sometimes a little awkward reading that last part, but it really it does go together, and we'll see that at the very end of our time uh, in this series. So bear with that and continue to, to love and cherish God's Word. So we are going to look at, uh, at, at God's will today, and, and we're going to look at uh, three different aspects of God's will, and, and, and it's, it's the Lord's intention in giving us the model prayer, right? The Lord's prayer is not a prayer that Jesus said, this is what I pray all the time. He said, this is how you should pray. I'm giving you a model prayer of how, how you should pray, and, and it's, the intention is to give us a pattern or structure, not a repetitious thing, right? We just read, don't, don't do things out of repetition, right? We do it because it's from the heart, and we, we know what the words are saying, and we, we want to communicate those things to God and, and have it be from our heart. So it's a way we structure our own prayer. So there's three aspects of God's will that we're going to look at today. Because we're asking, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So let's look at those three aspects. The first one, number one is this, God's sovereign will. God's sovereign will. As we talk about God's sovereign will, we're talking about the will that causes whatever he intends to happen, to come to pass. Whatever God intends to have happen will happen, no matter what. You say that? Say that. No matter what. That's God's sovereign will. It will happen no matter what. And I think for me, that's kind of, kind of sometimes where I get stuck. God, you're sovereign. I, do I even have a choice? Do I even have ability to... to influence this decision? The answer to this question is no, I don't. And I shouldn't, but here's the point, I shouldn't stay stuck there. There's more to God's will than just his sovereign will. But let's look at his sovereign will a little more in depth. Uh, turn with me, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 46. We are done as far as reading scripture out of Matthew 6, so you can feel free to not leave your finger there, but go to Isaiah chapter 46 with me. <clears throat> Isaiah 46, 10. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the pew rack in front of you. We'd love for you to be able to follow along. Isaiah 46, 10 and 11. Amazing statement of the sovereignty of God. It says, I declare the end from the beginning. Wow. He declares the end from the beginning. We have no say in that. And from long ago, what is not yet done, saying, my plan will take place, and I will do all my will. Okay, going on, verse 11. I call a bird of prey from the east, a man for my purpose from a far country. Yes, I, the Lord, right, I have spoken, so I will also bring it about. I have planned it, I will also what? Do it. The Lord does whatever he pleases. 
And that's his sovereign will. Psalm 115 says, Our God is in heaven and does whatever he pleases. Flip backwards a little bit to Psalm, uh, one, or Psalm 14, or no, I'm sorry, Isaiah 14. Isaiah 14. A couple more passages here to see the sovereignty of God. Isaiah 14, starting in verse 24. We're going to read verse 24 and 27. You can read more for context later if you'd like. Uh, 24 and 27. So 24 says, The Lord of armies has sworn, As I have purposed, so it will be. As I have planned it, so it will happen. Go to verse 27. The Lord of armies himself has planned it. Therefore, who can stand in its way? It is his hand that is outstretched. Who can turn it back? So there is this sovereignty of God that we're dealing with, right? This sovereignty of God. And, and it's, it's tough because as we approach the Lord's Prayer, there's a couple things we need to, to understand. There's a little bit of a discrepancy. When we, when we go to the Lord and say, your will be done, right? What is the tagline? On earth as it is in heaven, right? It, it, God's sovereign will is not not happening. It is always happening. On earth, in heaven, Wherever he wills it, his sovereign will is occurring. So the, the encouragement from the Lord Jesus to pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is not to pray, God, your sovereign will be done. It's already occurring. It's already going to happen. But I think we can be informed a little bit. Some of this can still be informed, and we can pray acknowledging God's sovereignty. We can acknowledge God's sovereignty. And as we embrace God's sovereignty, we will do so expressing a spirit of meekness inside of us, right? Or humility within us. Acknowledging who he is and who we are compared to him and acknowledging who then is going to prevail. Amen? When we come before God, we humble ourselves in that way saying, God, we'll start like this. You're the man. You're sovereign. And I come to you in meekness and in humility knowing that your will will occur your sovereign will, will will transpire. So this humble submission, by the way, this, and this is the great way to start a prayer, seeking God's will, this humble submission before him will then gladly accept, right? We, we humbly submit before his sovereign will, and we will then gladly accept without complaining whatever God sends or whatever he fails to send. Amen? Now, it's, it's really important we don't stay stuck there because then our prayer life would be, eh, Whatever. Whatever, God. You'll send whatever you want. It'll, it'll happen. It'll happen. I'll just go with the flow. I'll trust you. And we almost seem like, oh, we're, we're good. We're, we're, we're like this high, you know, highbrow faith, right? That we've got this all figured out. God's sovereign and we can't mess with that anymore. Well, that's not where it ends. And, and I have to be honest, that's sometimes where I end. And I, as I've studied for this, as I've prepared for this, God's been wrecking my heart a little. Because I don't want to stop just saying, God, you're going to do what you're going to do. You can send it my way or not send it my way. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And we stop there. There's, there's more to this story. So we start by acknowledging it, right? We pray, your will be done. We're acknowledging his sovereignty. But then we begin the next part of our prayers. This is what the Lord intended. That we would be appealing then to his compassionate will. And that's number two. The second aspect of God's will is his compassionate will will his compassionate will God's compassionate will has to do 
with what is pleasing or displeasing to him. It has to do with what is his heart's desire. What does God weep over? What does God grieve over? What does God celebrate? Unlike God's sovereign will, his compassionate will is not always fulfilled on earth as it is in heaven. Here's an example from 1 Timothy. Let's go ahead and turn there together. 1 Timothy chapter 2. I know we'll do a lot of turning. Your fingers will get some exercise this morning, some calisthenics in. 1 Timothy chapter 2. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 4. 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1 through 4. We're going to see, we're going to see this, this compassionate will of God here with an urge for us. Just like the Lord Jesus says, praying, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's an urging from the power of the Holy Spirit through Peter as he wrote this to the church, to the bride of Christ. It says this in 1 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. It says, first of all, then, I urge. What's that word? Urge? Does that seem important to you? Yeah, I think it seems like a little, little like relevant here. Let's, let's do this. I urge you that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for everyone. Verse 2, for kings and all those who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all goodness and dignity. Verse 3, this is good and what it pleases God our Savior. That's, that's his compassionate will. It's speaking to God's compassionate will, his pleasure, what, he, what, what is his heart's desire. Going on in verse 4, it, it pleases God our Savior who wants there's a want there. Is that, his, is that his sovereign will? Well, let's read it. Let's read it like it's his sovereign will. Whose sovereign will is that everyone be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. If we know that God's sovereign will always will happen, is this God's sovereign will? No, because not everyone will be saved. But God's compassionate will says... I want everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Isn't that a wonderful, compassionate will of God? That's what he wants to have happen. He, he wants that to occur. He's not willing that anyone perish, not compassionately willing that anyone should perish, but for all to come to repentance. But not all come to repentance. Not all come to faith in Christ and are saved. But it's his compassionate will. So what, what we're being urged here is to pray. Pray that his compassionate will would occur. Pray that that heart that is, is hardened against God would soften. That the soils of their heart would go from a hard, rocky soil to a, to a fertile soil and receive the seed, the gospel, the word of Christ, and it would grow in them. Our prayers are like tilling the soil of the heart in people's lives. And we're being urged to pray. Pray fervently that God's compassionate will would occur. There's more than just salvation involved in, in God's compassionate will. I, I think about disabilities that people have or diseases that people have or, or brokenness, both physically, emotionally, spiritually, that people have, despair and sorrow that people have, hearts that need help. God looks down and in his compassionate will weeps over these things. And what he's given you and I is an opportunity to pray, pray for God, the will of God, God's compassionate will to, to happen on earth as it is in heaven. See, those, those brokenness those things, those sorrows, those hurts, those, those broken hearts, right? 
are not happening in heaven. His, his compassionate will is being perfectly fulfilled there. But it's not here. He wants us to ask. He wants us to ask. And, that, and if we're stuck on the sovereign will, we're not going to ask very often. James chapter 4, verses 2 and 3 says this. It says, you desire and you do not have. And so there's a desire that, that he's speaking to here uh, in us. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. So there's even that. We go from our desire into sin in order to attain pleasure or in, in order to, to attain these desires. But we cannot obtain. You fight and wage war. Then he says, you do not have because you do not ask. And the deep theological thing would take all day to talk about, but the implication is this. Our desires are only fulfilled truly in Christ Jesus alone. So we don't have those desires fully fulfilled because we haven't asked him to fulfill them. We haven't gone to the Father, our Father, who is in heaven to fulfill them. You do not ask, uh, or you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. Like, I want more for me, I want more for me. Or, or, or it, let's, let's go a little, little differently. Let's just talk about prayer, being stuck in praying about the sovereign will of God. God, you're sovereign, you're going to do whatever you want. This is where my heart is. When I, when I studied this verse, I read it. You ask and don't receive because you ask with wrong motives. I feel sometimes I ask God, I pray to God for people or for things or for, for my own heart out of wrong motives. I do it just to put in the time because he said to do it, and I just say, but God, your, your will is going to happen. And I just fling that out there. Guess what that's like? Guess who that's like? Guess who I resemble when I pray like that? The hypocrites that we just talked about. Those that Jesus warned us against praying like. He wants us to come to the Father in heaven with our requests to him. That he would, he would use those requests in some way, connecting them to be effective, to bring about his will on earth as it is in heaven. What God is saying is he's not pleased when someone perishes. He doesn't enjoy when someone has a broken heart or hurt or sorrows. It's not what he wants. And what he's doing, he's urging us to pray because in some way is connected and effective. In some wonderfully mysterious way, the prayers of God's people have weight with their Father in heaven. And let me tell you, I don't get it. And that's okay. I, I have to be okay with the mystery of that. That God can still be sovereign, and I, as his child, as a son, can go to him in prayer fervently, passionately asking and requesting of him and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. God will respond. Now, I want to look at Luke 18. Uh, if you turn there with me, Luke 18, 1 through 8. Luke 18, 1 through 8. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I want to look a little more in depth to this compassionate will of God and what God expects as we go to him in prayer. This is really the, the crux of the matter. When we pray to him, asking that his compassionate will be done on earth as it is in heaven, how should we pray? Luke 18, beginning in verse 1, and we'll go through verse 8. Now he told them a parable 
on the need for them to pray and, always, and, and to pray always and never give up. Right there, right? The parable is for you and I that we would pray always and we would never give up. There's a story. There, there was a judge in a certain town who didn't fear God or respect people. And a widow in that town kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice over my adversary. For a while he was unwilling. But later he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God and I don't respect people, it's pretty honest of him, by the way, yet this widow keeps on pestering me, I will give her justice so that she doesn't wear me out with her persistent comings. He's like, I'm, I'm just tired. I'm worn down. I, I just need, I need to give you what you to go away. Then the Lord said, listen to what this unjust judge says. Will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay helping them? I tell you that he will swiftly grant them justice. See, God wants us. And, and, and what God's saying is, God's not like uh, bugged by your prayers. God's not worn out like, oh my goodness, if they just be quiet for once here, go have it. God's like, how, be- how much better am I as God, your father, than this, this unjust judge? Come and ask, come and ask, and I'll, I'll give to you. And then look at the last part of verse 8. It says, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find what? Faith on earth? Will he find faith on earth? See, that, that's what he's asking. He's asking us to come to him and pray to him in faith. That we would trust that, we'd, that he would answer our prayers. I don't know how. I don't know how it works. Except that we have to go in faith, trusting the Father who's in heaven to answer our prayers. So yeah, do we pray for healing? Sure, absolutely we pray for healing. Do we pray for broken hearts? Absolutely we pray for broken hearts. Do we pray for hearts to be open to receive the gospel? Absolutely we pray for hearts to be open and receive the gospel and to be saved. We must be praying for these things that, are, that line up with the compassionate will of God. The things that Jesus wants. Not the things that will happen necessarily, but the things that he would want to occur. We have to line up and say, God, your will, your compassionate will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm going to give one more illustration. You can read this later. It's in your notes, Acts chapter 12. Uh, it's a long passage, so I'm not going to read the whole thing. But basically, Herod had, had come against the, the, the believers and executed some believers, and then they, they arrested Peter. They got Peter. But, but it was a festival going on, so like, well, we'll give him over after the festival, and we'll deal with this. So he was in jail. He was, he, Peter was in jail, and, and um, he's put in prison. And, and in verse 5 of that chapter, it says, But the church was praying fervently to God for him. The church was praying. for what, what, Oh, no, God, this is your sovereign will. We'll just let it be. Maybe. And that's, we don't know where God's sovereign will and where his compassionate will overlap. We may be praying for healing to happen in our heart and it actually not line up with God's sovereign will with what he wants to accomplish. That's okay. And we may be praying for healing in our heart or in our body or, and it may be absolutely be fine and line up with what God's sovereign will is and it may happen or it has no effect on God's sovereign will so he'll grant it because we ask in faith. Right? But we don't know where that lines up. But what the church did is they got together and they were fervently praying to God for him. And then what happened? Well, meanwhile, the other scene, in jail, an angel shows up. And, and there's two guards that are sleeping next to him or, or oblivious. And he says, come on, shh, quiet, get up, Peter. Get up, let's go. And, and he thought he was kind of, is this a vision, a dream? The chains fall off, the doors open up, he walks out. And he finally realizes, wow, this is, God, God freed me. 
I've got to go back to the brothers and sisters and tell them what happened. So as soon as he realized that God had done this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many had assembled and were praying. What were they praying? They were praying for his release, right? They were praying for his release. I think you and I, though, are often like this early church in, in our expectation of God to answer prayer. L- listen to what happened. He knocked at the door at the outer gate, and a servant came, uh, named Rhoda came to answer. She recognized Peter's voice, and because of her joy, she didn't even open the gate, but ran back and announced that Peter had come. What, what would their response be? What would faith-filled, expectant prayer warriors' response be? Praise God! He's free. Well, let's look at their response. The response was, you're out of your mind, they told them, her. Rhoda, get in. What are you doing? Get back in here. Let's pray. You're out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was true, and they said, it's, it's his angel. Peter, however, kept on knocking. Hello, McFly, I'm here, right? When they, when they opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. They were amazed. I don't, I don't want to be surprised. I don't want to think you're crazy when prayers are answered by our Father who is in heaven because we petition his compassionate will and say, God, we want your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's something connected there. There's, in some mysterious way, there's something connected to our prayers and our faith and to God's compassionate will. I don't know what it is, but I do know that we should pray As we pray, our task is not to solve the dilemma of how God's sovereignty works with human responsibility. But our our responsibility is to pray and do what God tells us to do. I think too many believers have a weak prayer life because they don't believe that their prayers accomplish anything. And that is so far from the truth. We are to turn to God and we're to tell him what we want, that we want his compassionate will to occur on earth as it is in heaven. And then we must trust him to give the answer that is best for us and for his glory. That's how Jesus did it in the garden, didn't he? He went and prayed before the Father, God, if if this cup can be swallowed up and drank up any other way, that sounds a little better to me. Maybe that's in your compassionate will. But he said what? But not my will be done. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? Your will be done. And, and, And some people say, like, when we pray, we pray for healing. We pray... If someone's healed, we say, God, your will be done. If it's your will to heal this person, we, we pray for that. And some people think, oh, that's a cop-out. You don't really believe. Really? What, what are you saying? Then I shouldn't pray that God's, if it's God's will, it be done? I should pray that if it's my will, it should be done? Because that, to me, turns me into the sovereign and puts God down as the, create, the creature. See, I am the creation, and I am to be the creation. He is to be the creator and the sovereign. So when we petition God, we do it in faith, expectantly, submitting, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Finally, number three, we've talked about God's sovereign will and his compassionate will. The third part of God's will is God's revealed will. I also, in my notes, put his commanding will. It's his revealed will. Listen, there are some things that God has told us outright that we ought to do. There's no mystery involved. There's no question about it. Thou shalt not is what he has said. Or thou shalt. And we have the New Testament to guide us in what a, what a Christ follower should look like and how we should behave and how we should behave if we've, we, we've entrusted in faith in Christ. 
right? God's revealed will or the revealed will of God. It informs us of what God expects of his creation, right? The Ten Commandments are a wonderful example of that, right? It's God's will, his revealed will that you have no other gods before him. It's God's revealed will that you honor your mother and your father. It's God's will that you remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy and so on and so forth. You see what I'm saying? God's revealed will. It's God's will. God says, it's, it's my will that you suffer for doing good. It's my will that you, you give thanks. It's my will that you pray. It's my will that you're sanctified and you avoid sexual impurity. It, that's God's revealed will. And as we pray that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and, and although he's revealed it to us, what we're praying is, God, help me, help me, help me align my heart back to your revealed will. Because so often, as a human being, so often I miss the mark, don't I? So often I'm, I'm so easily led astray to do my own will. So when we pray, God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, when we pray and we acknowledge his revealed will, we're saying, God, you've already told me how I ought to be and how I ought to live. Lord, help me to, to renew my heart and renew my commitment to your revealed will. So the pattern of prayer that Jesus gives us is one where we would ask the Father then to reshape our hearts in such a way that God is obeyed and that God is glorified by us on earth as he is in heaven by the angels and the saints who have gone before us. See, what God wants, what God has revealed for us to do and how we should live is not always happening on earth as it is in heaven, is it? Right, the angels and the saints who have gone before us who are with the Lord, it is happening perfectly. So our prayer is, God, help me obey the way I'll obey one day in heaven with you. Help me listen to you the way that they are already listening to you. I want to look at this last passage, 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 7. 2 Chronicles chapter 7. I, I, I want to tell you a story as you turn there. It was really interesting. Uh, my, my daughter has a CD that she likes to play, like to kind of go to sleep. We play it low, and it's Casting Crowns. And, and, uh, and we've been playing it probably for two months every night, right? Just turn it on. And, and I usually kind of like just hold her and kind of snuggle for a minute for the first song. And then we, we lay her in bed, and, and she goes to sleep. And during that first song, so I've heard this first song about a million times. Well, probably not. Two months is about 60 times. So I've heard this song a lot, right? But it feels like a million. And, and it just, it's running through my mind all the time. And, and the song is called, If My People Pray. And, and li- literally, this is last, last uh, night before bed. It was probably late, late afternoon. I was thinking through this, this sermon and thinking through these points. And, and, and I just, I'm like, God, I'm missing something. I'm missing something here. And, and all of a sudden, like just a few minutes later, all of a sudden, just God recalled this music, this song in my heart. If my people, pray. I'm like, oh, that's scripture. That song is, is the word. Let's go to the word and find that. And I knew where it was. And here it's, it's Second Chronicles. This is it. If my people pray. It says, and I want to give the context here, right? Like Solomon wanted to please God. wanted to serve God. He wanted to renew his commitment and Israel's commitment to God. And he was praying for that. He said, God, if you would do this, if, you, we'll, or if we do this, if we change our heart, if we come to you and, and start following your revealed will, please then come and be do something in us. We're praying that you would, you would renew us. So in verse, in verse 12 of 2 Chronicles chapter 7, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 12 says this, Then the Lord appeared to Solomon at night and said to him, I have heard your prayer. Oh, that's right there. He's heard our prayer, right? And have chosen this place, this, this temple, for my, myself as a temple of sacrifice. If I shut up the sky and there is no rain, or if I command the grasshopper 
to consume the land, or if I send pestilence on my people, right? So he's saying, if this happens, there's something going on with the heart. Something's, something's amiss. But there's something you can do about that. When there's something amiss, there's something we can do. And it, and it comes from the Lord Jesus. You approach God and say, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it starts with me and my heart. And here's what it says in verse 14. And my people. So if this bad stuff happens, and if my people who bear my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their evil ways, then, right? If then, you catch that? Then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. Isn't that wonderful? You see, there's this connection to our humble prayers that God's uh, acknowledging God's sovereign will, seeking his compassionate will, and seeking that we obey his revealed will. There's a connection. If we're, uh, we're amiss, if we're, we've been, been kind of led astray and we're wandering off and things aren't going very well, if then we need to pray and get on our knees and pray, and then he will hear from heaven. In verse 15 it says, My eyes will now be open and my ears attentive to prayer from this place. Now let me, let me give you context. What he's saying is this place is the place of the, and the attitude of the heart. He's certainly talking about the temple that, that Solomon had built and that place, but what, what God was saying, this was done from the heart. So if you approach me from the heart, from the place of the heart that's humble and ready to, to seek me with your whole heart, my eyes then will be open and my ears attentive from, to prayer from this place. And I have chosen and consecrated this temple so that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there at all times. As for you and me, right? As for you and me, if you walk before me as your father David walked, doing everything that I have commanded you, right? My revealed will. And if you keep my statutes and ordinances, my revealed will, I will establish your royal throne as I promised your father David. You will never fail to have a man ruling in Israel. Now we know time went on, that did not occur. They failed to follow his revealed will. Verse 19, however, and here's the however. Here's the connection. Here's, here's the need for humility and to go to God in prayer and desiring his revealed will to take place in our life. However, if you turn away and abandon my statutes and my commands that I've set before you, and if you go and serve other gods and bow and worship to them, then I will uproot Israel from the soil that I gave them. And this temple that I have, or I have sanctified for my name, I will banish from my presence. I will make it an object of scorn and ridicule among the peoples. There, that's, that's heavy stuff. Our, our desire, our humble desire, and our humble willingness to approach God Almighty and say, God, I want your will, your revealed will to be done in my life on earth as it is in heaven means I want to shape up. And I want to look more like you and I want to honor you in what I do. I want your name to be revered as holy through my life as I obey your revealed will on earth as it is in heaven. And see, that's the petition the Lord wants. He wants it from a humble place of heart where we can go to him saying, God, change me. Straighten me out. Line me up. Align my heart with yours. And that's what we're praying when we pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, so in closing, this is it. We, we acknowledge, right? When we pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we acknowledge we're not God. That he has a sovereign will. And we don't know exactly how that connects or collides or works with his compassionate will. 
but we will see hurt and we will actively pray against it. We will see suffering and actively pray against it. We will see hard hearts and actively pray against it. We will pray for God's compassionate will to occur that many would be saved. And then we will we'll pray for His revealed will to happen in our heart. That God, line me up, straighten me out. You know, I can't, I can't go to God and say, God, open, open the heart of my friend downtown. Open my heart of my neighbor. Open the heart of my mom. I can't say, open the heart of my mom and my or my family, when I'm not saying, God, I want to align my heart with yours. I want my heart to be aligned to your revealed will. I want to be obedient to you. So many times we leave that out. We say, oh yeah, I'm going to pray for this. I'm going to pray for that because it just sounds and feels great. But that part about your will, I'm not really following it totally. Uh, I kind of pick and choose what I want. God's like, what are you doing? Do you want to come to me in faith from humility of heart or don't you? I'm the God of the universe, he says. I'm the sovereign God over everything. You and I need to bow. When no one else will, you and I need to bow. We need to be on our knees fervently praying, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's stand and pray. Father, we, we come before you today. We, as your children, come before you today, honored to have been grafted into the family of God. And we pray to our Father, who is compassionate and graceful, but who happens to be the God of the universe, the great I Am. And we are so thankful for that. And God, as we have approached the Lord's Prayer, and you've, you've instructed us from the Lord's Prayer today, God, I pray that you, that, that you would help us see and know that you are sovereign over everything. God, that your sovereign will will occur with or without us. That we would yield our own lives to you and we would let happen what happens. But we wouldn't stay stuck there. That we would, as you have urged and asked us, that we would bow before you humbly, reverently, asking that your compassionate will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. That we would see and look for the needs around us, God, and we would, we would respond in prayer. And God, that we would look to our own lives and our own hearts, that we would, we would go to you and ask that your revealed will... God, those things you've told us clearly to do, clearly ways to obey, that we would, we would come before you asking that your will would be done in our heart, that we would get rid of ourselves over our own ego, our own agenda, and we would let you invade, and you would realign our heart to be obedient to yours. God, that is what we pray, and we know one day that will be fulfilled to the fullest in heaven. But God, today we ask and pray that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And let it start with us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we close our service, it's an opportunity to respond in worship. And I, I hope you can worship this sovereign God who, who is also answering in our prayers and looking for our prayers and looking for our humility.